Hey everybody, this is Ruben, and you're listening to Amazing Stories. Perhaps one of the reasons I was drawn to the story of the Titanic disaster was because of another tragedy at sea, that of the loss of the ferry Princess Victoria in 1953, just off the coast hard by where we lived. It plied between Larne and Stranraer. Severe weather in the North Channel stove in her loading doors, and a hundred and thirty died, none of the women or children being rescued from the lifeboats, which sank with all who had made it to them on board. On the Princess Victoria, death came suddenly and violently, instead of by slow creeping as it did on the Titanic. Perhaps the horror of her fiancé's conscious waiting for the end is what drives my heroine Emma on in her search for answers in New York, in the realization that the man she loved knew that he was going in the next few hours to die for certain sure. She has been widowed before she was wed, you might say, and she's in New York on the trail of whoever might have killed him. And now she's in her hotel room, and the man who's offered to help her, the reporter Danny Malloy, is waiting there. What are those papers? <gasps> Everything that was in Swanson's safe. But she gave them to you. I have them. <laughs> that is all you need to know. All anyone will ever know. Is there anything new? Several survivors told the American Inquiry there were two explosions. They clearly heard them. One might have been the boilers blowing up as the sea flooded them. But the other. If someone wanted to make sure it sank, that it took the evidence of what really happened safely out of sight. Oh. There's more, much more. I've barely glanced at it, but. Can you work a typing machine? Yes. There's one over there on the desk. Write everything down. Everything you learned about how and why the ship sank.、Uh, the, the facts, the wild guesses, what McBride told us, and I want it. In your words, from your heart. If if you misspell something, leave it there. If you cry over the page, don't worry about it. This is a document, a document. Write, get it on the page, all of it. You're sure? Since I met you, and got tied up with this, I haven't been sure about one darn thing. She writes through the night and falls asleep over the keys and wakes and begins again and. Finally, when she's written all she knows, she lies on the bed, feeling she's kept faith with not just her fiance but the rest of the dead. But when she wakes in the mid-morning light, no. no, 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 the papers have gone, all of them. Even the typewriter is gone. She hurries into the elevator, goes to the lobby. It's empty except for Miss Hinton, Miss Emma Hinton. Yes, but I I have to talk to the receptionist. You mean the desk clerk? Please get out of my way. I have been waiting for you. I have something to do, something urgent. Why don't you and me have a coffee? They have one of those newfangled espresso machines here. Personally, I like it the old-fashioned way, but hey.、Uh, please let go of my arm. You want I should ask for tea? That's how you English start the day, right? My opinion, it tastes like slops, but I'm willing to be educated. Let 
go. Don't make a scene. If I ask for help, nobody's gonna come. It's just you and me in the lobby. I told the desk clerk you and me have some business. What business do I have with you? Who are you? Nobody will come, even if you shout. They think I'm from the Banco Squad. That we had a tip you were here with a record of sneaking out of hotels without settling the check. How dare you do that? Want to give us some privacy? We have something to talk about. You want to ask the desk clerk if anybody was in your room while you slept, right? Because you have some very important papers there, and when you woke up just now, you couldn't find them. They've gone. Even the typing machine has gone. I can clear it up for you. But sit down. Be nice. This doesn't have to be difficult. That outfit you're wearing—it's what they're parading around in in London now. Um, it's from Mr. Selfridge's store. Yes. Everybody's wearing their hair like that. Those that I know. Why? I like to keep up. <laughs> okay, that's it for the fashion notes. Now for business. Around five this morning, a man, a name of Daniel Malloy, told the night clerk he was here to collect a document he'd hired you to write. It was urgent. They sent a maid to collect it. He left with it, a bunch of other papers, and the typewriter. Gave her a five cent tip. I don't understand. Nor me. Anything less than a dime. Phew, why bother? How does this involve you? Run those baby blues of yours over this. See that? Pinkerton National Detective Agency. Your police. Private corporation, licensed, insured, and bonded. You heard the term private eye? That's the eye. We never sleep. <laughs> In my case, it's never with the right guy, but that's another story. You're a woman detective. Mr. Pinkerton was way ahead of his time. Saw right away that we could get to where a male shameless couldn't. And take a case like this. Better you and me sitting here like ladies instead of some red-necked bull yelling in your face. But why are you here? Oh, I didn't say. <laughs> Do I need coffee? Poof. Mr. Malloy called at J.P. Morgan's bank on Madison and Wall Street at opening of business today. He had quite a story to tell. They sent a Western Union boy on a bike around to get me out of bed. Oh, wow. Poof. We tied a few on last night. I'd like to go to London sometime. What do you say was the best time of year? I like the days around the turn of the seasons, when the weather doesn't seem to know what it's meant to be. How about that? Me, I like it honest. Winter, summer—they ought to be what it says on the label. He went to the bank. Who? Oh, yeah, Malloy. He was carrying a bunch of documents that he said it might be in the bank's interest to purchase. There was also a fifteen-page letter addressed to our lonely old friend, to whom it may concern, which contained detailed allegations of malfeasance by Mister Morgan and others in the sinking of the White Star liner Titanic. I believe you wrote that document. He, no, that's not possible. Did you write it? I did. Yes, but is there a copy? No. No copy. You're sure? No carbons? No. How are the rooms here? Adequate. They have bathrooms en suite. Yes. Huh. Imagine that. Drains okay? As far as I could tell, but don't drink the water. Even so, pure typhoid. Why take a chance? 
So, Mr. Morgan and his bank are frequent targets of confidence tricksters, blackmailers like you, bunker wardists, and extortionists. Malloy's been told to cool his heels while I talk with you. Blackmailers like me? You just admitted you made criminally slanderous allegations in writing against not only Mr. Morgan, but some of the most respected businessmen in the United States and Great Britain. Malloy wants money in exchange for that document. You have a criminal record in England? Of course not. Things got too hard for you there? You're being ridiculous. Decided to try your luck here? Do you have any right to ask me that? I don't have a right to punch you in the head, but you couldn't stop me doing it. You see, if I like your answers, you go back to your life. I don't. You go to jail. You're not the police. <laughs> I'm bigger than the NYPD. I'm Pinkerton. On contract to the most powerful man on Wall Street. The night clerk says you had another visitor last night. Another guy. You're a very popular young lady. I don't have to tell you anything. You want to spend a few nights in the tombs? The tombs? City jail. Lower Manhattan. Rats the size of dogs. I can get you thrown in there anytime. They hung somebody there yesterday morning. A guy me and the boys from the New York office pinched. That's why we were out celebrating. So who came knocking on your door a couple of hours after Malloy left? Someone who helped design the ship. Someone who had his own doubts about it. Who is that? William McBride. We met at Red Hook. Uh, Mr. McBride? You followed me here? I want you to have this notebook. It's all here. Calculations of loads, stresses, types of steel used, workshop notes, rough drawings. Cost projections, if they redesigned from scratch. How much they'd lose if it didn't go into service when they planned. Names of the engineering staff who said that keel was too big a risk. Names of the supervisors and four men who overruled them. Take it. Why didn't you give it to me in Red Hook? I don't trust yon fella. The one you were with? Oh, there's something sleeker about him, round the eyes. He's the kind of wee skitter you want to keep your distance from. I've no reason not to trust him. This past few days, I've been wondering if they're on to me. On to you? Oh, you still don't have any idea how powerful these fellas are, do you? The ones you're looking into. Take it, please. Thank you. But what will you do now? If I want to speak to you again... I've footered around here long enough. It's a big country. I'll, I'll go west. Isn't that what everybody does? Go west, into the sun. What about your family? Your wife? Your children? The Lord said to Cain, Cursed shall you be, and a restless wanderer shall you be on the earth. And Cain said to the Lord, My punishment is too great to bear. He was wrong. When you kill someone that close to you, there's no punishment too great to bear. I'm a hard man from a hard part of the world, so I told myself. There's nothing that could be thrown at me that I couldn't handle. There's a street rhyme. Our wee school's a nice wee school. It's made of bricks and mortar. 
The only thing that's wrong with it is the baldy-headed master. He goes to church on Sunday to pray to the Lord to give him strength to beat us kids on Monday. That's how I was dragged up. This titanic kamalia, it broke my spine. It cracked my keel plate. You have any idea where the guy is now? He said he was going west. That's all I know. You can square it away by signing this statement that everything you wrote was mistakes or lies. I'm not a liar and I wrote the truth. Sign here and you'll be free to go. I'm not free to go now. I'm under arrest. Burn down an orphanage and you'll get a slap on the wrist. Embarrass a guy who owns a bank? You're toast. What happens to Malloy? Mr. Five Cent Tip? Why should you care? Did you read what I wrote? Did you look at the documents? I'm a gopher. They tell me to put you straight. That's what I do. Do you know what was in there? Crazy stuff. That's all they told me. If you believe any of it, you got cuckoos in your head, they said. That's all I need to know. All I want to know. But... Listen, good. You don't cooperate. It's going to end somewhere you won't like. I'll take that chance. <laughs> if you don't wake up, you'll be down there in the tombs where you don't see the light of day for five years. Ten. Where the matrons, they call the female section guards the matrons, are going to plow that neat little body of yours like a field. Why are you saying this? Because of that too cute face of yours. Because of your annoying accent. Because I had a guy hung yesterday. Because I want to wrap this up one way or the other. Regardless of the truth. I don't do that. I do fixes. What's that thing they call afternoon tea? It says they serve it here. Sandwiches and cakes and a pot of tea. I don't want to be sitting here making small talk to you when it arrives. Finish your espresso and start writing. What the? Come back here! No! When Agent Spinks reaches the door, she takes charge of the dazed Emma. Stand back! Pinkertons! I know who this woman is. Somebody find an ambulance! You make one more move, Miss Hinton, and I'm gonna sock you one right in the kisser. I see her take command of Emma, fasten her hand tightly on her as the ambulance arrives. Keep hold of her as she's loaded into the vehicle. I'm going with her. The doors close. The siren sounds. The crowd parts. The ambulance speeds away, is lost in the traffic of the always busy street. And Emma's swallowed up in Manhattan. Manhattan the vast, implacable, urgent, sleepless and uncurling, being rushed to whatever it is that fate and its helpers have in store for her. The young Englishwoman, Emma Hinton's New York search to find what really happened to the Titanic has put her in the hands of an agent of Pinkerton's detective agency. Dazed from a street accident as she tried to escape her, handcuffed to a gurney, 
Emma briefly wakes as the ambulance enters the ornate gates of a large building on First Avenue. As the ambulance doors open and she's carried inside, she can make out a name above the gates. Bellevue. <laughs> Buildings, even those which stand for mercy and healing, can have a lingering ghostly presence too. Such is the reputation of the place in which Emma wakes up sometime later. She's in a room with barred windows. At a desk facing her is a man in a white coat. How do you feel today? I'm... Do you feel strong enough to talk? I... Yes. I'll try. Who are you? Your doctor, Charles Myers. Please, sit. Do you remember the day of your accident? I think so. When you ran under the wheels of a vehicle, did you intend to harm yourself? I only wanted to get away from that terrible woman. The one who called herself a detective. I've lived with despair so long that something may have made me throw myself into the street without caring what happened, yes. If that was trying to kill myself it won't happen again hmm. you came here to new york from london in connection with henry george barton a musician who died on the titanic yes you think about him all the time i think about them all all the lost the missing the drowned i deal with those two the missing the lost the drowned the subconscious is also a great ocean i'm here to help you shall we say, find your way to a lifeboat to reach the shore again. Nothing in the past can be changed, but we can progress. If I were to tell you that there is no record of Henry George Barton listed among those who sailed on the Titanic, what would you say? That he wasn't a passenger... He was a crew member. That name isn't on the crew list, either. The band list. Here are the names of all eight of the band members. They drowned. No Henry George Barton or George Henry Barton or any other combination of those names. He joined at the last moment as a substitute. There may not have been enough time to do the paperwork. Well, do you have any memento of your fiancé? A photograph of him with you, perhaps? I did not realise I was required to carry one. What steamship did you say you came on? The Olympic. There is no Emma Hinton on the Olympic passenger manifests. First class, second class or steerage. Can you explain that? Easily. I have hardly any money. One of Henry's friends arranged for me to travel in the quarantine cabin. I saw no one. Now, am I here or am I not here? And am I who I say I am or not? Do you have another trap to set for me? What kind of doctor are you, exactly? I'm an alienist. My specialty is the hurt. We cannot see the wound that is not on the surface. Now, my task is to help you exit this place if I consider you no longer a danger to yourself or society. How could I be that? You think Mr Morgan and his bank are engaged in a conspiracy in which the man you loved and many others died. Why not revenge yourself? 
Yes, I want the sinking investigated. Yes, I want the truth to be brought to light and those responsible to face justice. To say that I wish for harm to befall them, no, I could not even contemplate it. And unless you can prove otherwise, you must let me go, must you not? Happily. If I could verify even one of the things you've told me. <sighs> Over there in my bookshelf is H.G. Wells' intriguing speculation about an invisible man. So much about you, who you say you are, let alone who McBride said he was. So much about everything you even touch, McBride's notebook, say, disappears. No woman is really there. We are not even allowed to own property in our own name. We have no rights. There is nothing verifiable about us. Just as so much about what happened to the Titanic is not capable of being verified, and yet it sailed, and yet it sank. A tragedy, which you somehow connected with in a personal way, a drama in which the major role is yours. A crime that took the man I loved. You met in a tea shop. You've told the story in the same words to the reporter, to me. Also, the story of the day he left and your journey here on the Olympic. Invention or memory? Recollection. Shaped by words. How else? But the same words. What others? You're clearly an intelligent person. The for a woman is, of course, unspoken. Interesting that you should react like that. Like how? To go on the attack. Why, when I put my hands up to defend myself, is it you who feels threatened? You think that threatens me? It seems to. We agree that I am the medical professional here? I have your word for it. The diplomas on the walls, beyond those. I have patients who believe their closest relatives have been replaced by identical imposters. Each one of them is as convinced of the truth as you are. So let me ask you, if someone passionately, sincerely believes something, could that make it the truth? Is that possible? Are there many truths or one? One truth. Because the Titanic either sank or it did not sink. One truth. Because 1,500 people either died or did not die. And someone is either who they say they are or not. Yes, how would you establish who you are? Not to me, to yourself. How would anyone do that? Oh, dear. Are you really asking me something so banal as how do we know what we know? Really? If you cannot prove me insane, which is what I now believe you are trying to do, you must let me go. In New York State, sanity is decided on the facts of the case and not legal niceties or the clock. Those facts are adjudicated solely by medical professionals such as myself. I assume I'm not without legal rights. I can fight it in court. No, you can't. That's not how it works here. I'm insane because you say I am. I am trying to establish who exactly you are and how much a danger your release would be. And I am asking you to consider, really consider if you may not be one of the lost, too, one of the missing or drowned. Perhaps the sea has taken you and you cling to these fantasies for support. Has there never been a moment when you asked yourself that? Of course there has. If what I believe I know is true, the conspiracy, the crime, it is so, so vast, so huge, for me to be the one who... How is that possible? 
I should not have come here. Now, will you let me leave? The gun. The gun? The gun. A Colt's 1908 vest pocket pistol. A compact, hammerless, semi-automatic. Easily concealed in a pocket or purse. What has a... What has a gun to do with me? I think it's only now that Emma realizes how much danger she's in. She's been told time and again that her wit, her intelligence, her innocence won't protect her. She remembers McBride's warnings. Watch yourself, Flower. Ask the wrong questions and you'll risk a hatchet in the head. You still don't have any idea how powerful these fellas are, do you? The ones you're looking into? Who are you scared of? Me? I'm heart scared of everybody and everything to do with yon ship. Even the woman who wanted to help her did it in a way that absolved herself of any blame or responsibility. I make a point of being in the print room when the edition starts to come off the press. I'll be gone around 10, 15 minutes. Please excuse me. I do not expect you to be here when I return. She left the key to her safe on her desk, leaving Emma to decide. And now, all those who she thought might help her are no longer in New York, or have turned their backs on her, and one even lies in the Brooklyn morgue. Not only is she alone, but her very identity is in question, as is whether she has any connection at all to the tragedy of the Titanic and the story of the love of her which has brought her here. What is she left? What is there for her to hold on to? And what final trap is being set for her by this mention of a gun? In episode three of Ghosts of the Titanic by Ron Hutchinson, Emma was played by Genevieve Gaunt and Danny Malloy by John Hopkins. Flora Swanson by Lizzie McInerney, William McBride, Fergal McElheron, Loretta Spinks, Sarah Ridgway, and Charles Myers, Clive Brill. The narrator was Ron Hutchinson. Music was by Steve Edis and sound design Joe Bedell Brill. Ghost of the Titanic was directed by Owen O'Callaghan and it was a Big Fish radio production for Radio Ulster. Thank you for listening. And don't forget to join us tomorrow for yet another amazing story.